Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Well Then. We are continuing to dive into my favorite topic this season, and that is the topic of love. We're talking about all things love and relationships and fulfillment and the things that keep us from being in healthy and fulfilling relationships and having the kind of love that we truly desire. And today's guest is an expert in all of those things. And I'm very excited to to have her on and introduce her to all of you. So today's guest is Rhonda Richards-Smith. She is an award-winning psychotherapist and wellness expert. And for over 15 years, she's worked one-on-one with individuals and companies developing corporate wellness programs to deepen their understanding of wellness and healthier relationships and her relationship coaching and self-care sessions have helped clients all over the world approach their goals with sincerity, grace, and intention. Rhonda's advice has been featured in Oprah Magazine, Us Weekly, Bravo TV, Glamour, and many others. And she contributes to tons of media outlets. In 2017, Match.com CEO recognized Rhonda as one of the top dating and relationship experts in the country. Rhonda holds a bachelor's in sociology from the University of Southern California, as well as a master's of social welfare with a health concentration from UCLA. And Rhonda is just an amazing psychotherapist and relationship expert. We've had her on for several events and Q&As for our members in the self-care space, which if you don't know, that is my uh, mental health and therapy platform for women, where there's lots of self-guided programming, live events and workshops, and a community centered around around mental health, personal growth, and healing. And it's a beautiful space, and Rhonda has contributed so much there. So I'm really excited for you all to get to hear from her today because she just has so much valuable insight and a really relatable and tangible real perspective on love. In today's episode, she's sharing more about her love story, what she's learned about relationships from her 18-year marriage, as well as being uh, a relationship therapist and so much more. And we talk about modern dating and the best ways to meet people and how to create self-love and all the things. So get ready, buckle up for all that. It's going to be a good one and let's dive right in. All right. Welcome to the show, Rhonda. I'm so excited to have you here. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited to be here. I am super excited for you to be here as well. Because obviously, you know, we love having you at the events and Q&As you've, you've done for the self-care space, and you have so much valuable insight when it comes to love and relationships and dating. You're obviously such an expert in this area. So thank you for being willing to come on and share your expertise. Absolutely. So as you know, we're kind of diving into the, the topic of love and relationships today and some of the things that can get in our way of having healthy and fulfilling love and relationships, but I would love to actually start out with your love story. I know that you're in a marriage right now, a beautiful relationship, and I'd love if you just kind of dive into like, how did you meet your husband? What has the journey looked like? And where's, where's the relationship at now? And we can obviously break it down a little bit, but let's start there. We got a, it's a very interesting story. Actually, the, the uh, minister told this story at our wedding. It's, it's kind of funny. So um, I met my husband in college. So I went to the University of Southern California here in Los Angeles. Um, and so I met my husband at USC. We were freshmen and we lived on the same dormitory floor. Uh, and so I met him like right when I started school at SC and we hated each other. <laughs> That's oh my story. gosh. <laughs> 
We oh hated each other. <laughs> Anybody that knows me really well or was there at the time can attest. Like we wow. butted heads quite a bit. Um, my husband is, he's an army brat. So he kind of like was born in Germany and grew up all over the place. Um, but his family settled in Alabama. So he came to USC. Um, and then I came from Northern California. Uh, and I think we just had differences in terms of how we expressed ourselves. I thought he came off um, as really arrogant at the time. Um, he loved to do a lot of debates and argue quite a bit, which really annoyed me as well. <laughs> um, but over time, I, he grew on me because I realized, you know, he was somebody that was incredibly knowledgeable. He's, he's just, he's, my husband is just like, he's a really smart guy. He's very smart. Mm -hmm. Um, he's, he's somebody, he's almost like an almanac. He can like rattle off different facts of different things that happened in like, you know, 1739. He's, he's one of those people. Um, so I just, he fascinated me more than anything. Um, and so I like to say he wore me down. <laughs> he asked <laughs> me out. <laughs> uh, and we've been together ever since we've actually wow. been together since January of 1999. So that's oh my yeah, goodness. Yeah, been quite a while. Um, and so uh, after USC, I went to grad school at UCLA across town, um, and we actually got married um, in the middle of grad school. So I got married in between my first and second year of grad school at UCLA. Um, so it was a super busy time. And so we've been married for, I want to say it's 18 years, Wow. Um, <laughs> which it's, it's hard to believe it's been that long. But yeah, we've been married for 18 years. So it's, it's been a journey. It's been a journey. <laughs> That's incredible. And that's so funny. I I had no idea that that's how your relationship started. Oh, and... yeah. Yeah. We had that tension. You know, we had that yeah. tension. Um, but we also grew to have mutual respect for each other. We also share the same faith, which I think really helped to anchor us and draw us a little closer together as well. So I think that was a big part of it, too. How long did it take for him to wear you down? <laughs> <laughs> it took probably about six months. Okay. Five, 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 six months, maybe. Yeah. And do you think that that tension in the beginning of relationships is important, like for it to be something that's that's lasting, that there is kind of like a difference between the two of you? I, I do think it's important to have some differences. And I think what I what I interpreted as like, you know, my being frustrated with him, I think we challenged each other in a particular way. And sometimes in the beginning of a relationship, it's hard to figure out like, OK, do I like this person? Do I not like this person? Or are they simply challenging me? Are they challenging my thoughts? Are they challenging the way that I think? Um, and so I think he really challenged me and I challenged him, which caused a little tension at first, but again, it kind of grew to be more of a mutual respect and eventually love. So I think it's really important in any relationship that you have a partner that's not just gonna be like a yes person mm -hmm. and always tell you like everything that you wanna hear because sometimes um, I think when we have a lot of these conversations, we have this idea like everything's always supposed to be perfect. They're supposed to agree with everything that you say and everything that you want to do. Uh, but a really good partner is going to call you on your stuff when needed um, mm -hmm. and they're going to challenge you. Yeah. And especially because, you know, you you've been with your husband from such a young age. A lot of people like, you know, when you're in your early 20s, you don't necessarily know exactly who you are or what you want. Like you still have so much growing and evolving to do. And that's really beautiful that you guys were able to grow and evolve together. And I'm sure that involved a lot of kind of challenging each other uh, along the way and empowering each other to, to continue to grow and become better. So what was that like for you compared to, you know, uh, the, the kind of opposite track where some people might go through 
a lot of years of being single in their 20s and 30s, doing that internal work and then getting into the relationship. So it was really interesting for me. I'll say, I've shared this a lot. I I had absolutely no intention of entering into a long-term relationship uh, freshman year in college. <laughs> that, that was, and, I, and it's interesting. I actually also was not a kid who grew up really like fantasizing about their wedding or getting married. I just actually was not that kid growing up mm-hmm. at all, at all. I can't tell you that that's something that was necessarily on my radar. Um, I was somebody growing up that was really focused on career and really wanting to, you know, get to where I wanted to be. But in, and I knew I wanted to have a family. I knew I did want to get married, but I just never really fantasized about it per se. Um, so it definitely caught me off guard. And, you know, even when we entered our relationship at first, I was thinking, wow, I'm so young, you know, I'm so mm-hmm. young. And I knew that I had a lot of growing left to do. And it did concern me that I got into a relationship that early on in my college career. I probably concerned my family also <laughs> and Anthony's family as well, I'm sure, um, because we were young. Uh, and so, you know, at the end of the day, you never know where a relationship is going to lead you, where it's going to go. Are you going to be able to grow together or will you grow apart? Uh, but I knew that what we had was really special and I was just willing to see the relationship through. Uh, whether it lasted for a year or it lasted, you know, 50 years. I was willing Mm -hmm. to see it through because I really saw something special. And did you guys face challenges along the way in terms of like feeling like, oh, we might be growing apart and we have to work harder at this to keep keep it together if we want to stay on the same kind of path? So I think one of the greatest challenges that we had, um, this wasn't when we were dating, but I would say when we first got married, uh, my husband my husband works in entertainment, he's a producer. And so he had really grueling hours. He started his career as a PA, as a production assistant. And so he worked like an overnight shift. So I worked during the day, regular kind of eight to five hours. And he worked, you know, after hours. So he worked Mm -hmm. like maybe from 8 p.m. to 8 a.m., something like that. Uh, And so there were a lot of days when we wouldn't really see each other and we wouldn't really be able to connect. It was kind of like we were ships passing in the night, just kind of going back and forth. Um, and we weren't able to connect. And I feel like those years were definitely really challenging and really difficult. It was hard to stay connected um, when we were both so busy with work, both trying to establish our careers early on. And I will say that's one of the challenges you'll experience if you get into a really serious relationship early on. It's, you know, you're also trying to build for yourself, mm-hmm. you know, you're trying to build your career, whatever it is that you want to build at that time. So, um, those years were very challenging. I'm thankful, though, that we had a really strong foundation of friendship. We really, really like each other. <laughs> Genuinely, we actually. It's a good I, thing. I, yeah, I, I, I we, we looked at each other the other day. I was like, yeah, I still like you. I really like you. Like, I, I like him and he really likes me. So I think that that's something that really helped us in those years where we weren't able to connect as well as we would have hoped or we would have liked. That's really kind of what pushed us over that hump. Um, just that we care so much about each other. Um, And we also want to see each other win. And we knew it was going to be temporary. We knew it wasn't going to be like that forever. Um, It wasn't that we weren't prioritizing one another, but during that time, we just had to put in the work and put in those hours in order for our careers to flourish. So uh, we both had an understanding on both ends and we supported each other in that way. So I'm definitely thankful for that. Yeah, I mean, that's really beautiful. I I talked to a lot of people about 
who, who kind of do it the opposite way, who go through a lot of the, the building and the growth on their own and are kind of like grinding solo, which can get really lonely, but then they reflect back and start to see like a purpose in all of their lessons and a purpose in their solitude and, and all of that. But I could see that there would be such a beautiful, um, kind of bond and energy that's created if you build and stay in relationship while you are both building and working on yourselves that that's got to create kind of like a deeper level of connection in some ways I would imagine absolutely and it's so cool it's just so you know I've known him so long and and you know I think he feels the same we're, we're just so genuinely proud of each other because we've known each other since we were you know basically teenagers we were like yeah so like or 18 um so we're also just so proud of each other. Just like I would be like, you know, my girlfriend, who's my best friend, who's accomplished so much. We're just so genuinely proud of each other as well. So it's just been really cool um, to be a part of his growth and for him to be a part of mine. It's been a really cool experience. That is so cool. Yeah. Because you can like look at that person and think back to the 18 or 19 year old that they were and be like, Hey, you did that. That's so yeah. cool. I'm proud of yeah. you. Like that's, a, that's amazing. And really special because they knew that version of you that you were then and all the versions of you that it's taken to become who you are now. Yep. All the behind the scenes stuff. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so, okay. So what would you say to somebody though, who I also know there are people who end up kind of in between the two scenarios that we've been talking about. Maybe they do start dating somebody and get into a long-term relationship in college or in their early 20s. And then as they start to grow and get older and evolve, somewhere along the way, they realize like, ooh, I don't know if this is the right relationship for me anymore, but I've been with this person for so long and we've been through so much together. What would you say to somebody who's maybe at that point in a relationship? It's really difficult because you know, in our culture, we praise, you know, we praise the stories of, oh, you've been married 40 years, you've been married mm -hmm. 50 years. You know, we love, we love to hear that, right? Because, um, you know, it inspires us that, that you know, love is possible, long-term relationships uh, can work. However, I think sometimes uh, that can be particularly crushing for those that have been in relationships for a really long time, and they almost feel trapped by it, like they can't yeah. get out because they've invested so many years. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's, you know, the judgments of others, but it's also for yourself, like, okay, did I waste the last 10, 15 years of my life? Right. Um, and it's, it's, at the end of the day, it's not a waste. If you decide that the relationship that you're in, whether you've invested 5, 10, 20, 30 years, whatever it is, if you decide at this point in your life, it's just not gonna work anymore, I think that that's okay and we have to be we have to be okay with that and kind of let go of some of the external aesthetics of like being able to say that you've you've conquered that goal of having a relationship for 20 years um i know many married couples that have been married for a very very long time that are completely and totally unhappy mm -hmm. uh, but they they enjoy kind of some of the admiration and the praise that they receive by saying they've been married 20 30 40 years and that's what you don't want you want to make sure that you're living your life for yourself and not for other people. So yeah, it's great. If you've been married for 30 years, awesome. But if you're not happy, there's really no reason for you to have to stay. Um, you know, so you have to kind of let go of some of that. And sometimes we judge ourselves for that. Relationships aren't always meant to last forever. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that they aren't important or special or meaningful. Uh, that doesn't mean that we can't learn things from those relationships. And so sometimes I think it's easy to say, oh, I, I lost 20 years with this relationship. 
you know, I get nothing out of it and it was just a waste of my time. That's not necessarily true. There may have been lessons that you learned in that 10, 20 year relationship that have gotten you to the point where you are today, where you're happy with yourself. And I think you have to be okay with that. And I actually think that's a good thing. That's not necessarily a bad or negative thing if you're able to identify that for yourself. Yeah, I'm so glad that you used that word in that particular perspective because I get that question a lot too. Like people feeling like it's been a waste of time if they've been in a relationship for five, 10, however many years, and then decide that it's not the right one anymore. They feel like they're throwing those years away. But that's not, when you really reflect on it, that's not often not the case. You, you usually did learn something about yourself in the process and grow Absolutely. and evolve. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And we're human beings. And so just because your relationship doesn't pan out, it doesn't make you a bad person. It doesn't make the partner a bad person. It just, it just, for whatever reason, evolved in a particular way to where you've maybe grown apart. It doesn't make your partner bad. I also think sometimes people feel like, well, my partner didn't really do anything to me. You know, they didn't, they didn't do anything really egregious. Um, and they're actually a good person. I think sometimes it's really hard to split from someone when you firmly believe that they're actually a good person. Mm -hmm. um, but it doesn't have anything to do with that. It's just sometimes it's not a fit. It's not a match. Yep. Um, and sometimes your lifestyle changes over the years. And maybe you want to live a particular lifestyle and it's just not a match based on the current relationship that you're in. And yeah. sometimes you have to make that judgment call. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's not, not always easy, but so important that you're doing what's in alignment with, with your truth. Absolutely. Yeah. So I'm curious too, since you obviously are a, a therapist who specializes in relationships and are an expert in this area, but you, you know, started dating your, your now husband when you were in college and before you had gone to grad school and started your career, did learning this kind of area of expertise and this, this specialty change how you related in your relationship and like the skills that you gained as a therapist, did that change your, your relationship at the time and the type of marriage that you have now? Absolutely. So I'm thankful. So we got married in the middle of my graduate school career. And one of the requirements, at least um, for my program, is that if you're going to become a therapist, you have to go to therapy yourself. Yes. Uh, and so I feel like that was such an awesome and a great gift to be able to start therapy at that time. And so that paired with the education that I was receiving, it, it I'm sure it's benefited my relationship with my husband for sure. Um, I think it's benefited the relationship that I have with my kids and it's benefited the way that I kind of relate with myself, you know, the way that I care for myself, uh, the way that I set boundaries for myself. I don't know if I would be in the position that I am today if I had not also gone to therapy along with uh, getting my education in psychotherapy. So um, I think we've all benefited for sure. That's, yeah, that's so beautiful. What I'm curious, what um, inspired you to become a therapist in the first place? So I actually had an introduction to therapists uh, when I was a kid. So I grew up with um, elderly grandparents. My mom was a caregiver for many years. And so I was introduced to it through the medical setting. So what a lot of people don't know is that there are therapists that work in hospitals. Um, and so sometimes we'd be going with my grandparents to medical appointments or different things that they had going on. Um, and at one point we met with a therapist when I believe my grandfather was being discharged from the hospital. 
Um, and that's actually how I started to have some interest in it. I knew that I really was curious about how someone maybe wants to have a particular goal or wants to work towards something but there's something that's keeping them stuck. I just became very curious about, well, what is that? Why do people get stuck? Mm -hmm. Why do you want to accomplish a particular goal or do something, but there's something invisible that's kind of keeping you from achieving it or going for it? I just became very curious about it. Um, and that's when I decided that I wanted to practice and uh, go into psychotherapy. Oh, that's so cool. And then did it evolve somewhere along the way where you realized like relationships in particular were something that you really enjoyed people helping people get unstuck around? Definitely. So, you know, at the beginning of my career, a lot of the work that I did was with people that were in different healthcare environments. So providing mental health services in that setting. What I learned over time, though, is that people were making really tremendous progress personally in terms of like sorting out their thoughts and their behaviors and uh, managing that and and taking the necessary steps to make change in their lives, which was awesome. However, one of the consistent issues that would come up again and again, almost like being on a hamster wheel, was some of the relationships that they were engaging in. Mm -hmm. And so they were doing a lot of the internal work that they needed to heal and to grow. But, you know, those that are around us may or may not be doing that work, right? So we 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 live in relation to others, not just to ourselves. And so that's why I became really fascinated with relationships and their impact on your mental health and how we relate and connect to one another and making sure that we establish healthy connections because you can do like all the work that you want and you can like just be killing it in therapy and it's like amazing. But at some point, you're going to have to take what you've learned and apply it to your relationships around you to really make sure that you're living a life of intention um, and that you have healthy connections across the board. Mm, yeah, absolutely. And that's kind of adjacent to that. A question that we get a lot in the self-care space is from, well, our, our membership is just for, for women. So it's from women usually asking something along the lines of, you know, I am so committed to therapy and healing and personal growth, but my partner is really resistant to it. What, what do you recommend in those type of scenarios? I think it's very common, especially when we're talking about couples therapy, there's typically the person that's really excited to be there. And then there's the other person that got dragged to couples therapy. Typically, right. <laughs> you know, so sometimes, you know, sometimes it's both are very excited, but usually there's one who's excited about it and one who's not so happy to be there. Um, so I think that that's something that's really common. I think we do have to exercise a little bit of patience when it does come to this topic, though, because Therapy and mental health, while it's become more popular as of late, there is still some stigma around it. The reality, I mean, that's the reality, unfortunately. There's still some stigma with therapy. There's still a bit of stigma in terms of mental health. Uh, and it's it's unfortunate because, you know, look at careers. You have like career coaches and counselors. And, you know, we can be very kind of specific and regimented in terms of the assistance that we want in our careers. In terms of healthcare, right? You have your doctor, you do checkups, like, all of it's very common and very regimented, but sometimes when it comes to love and relationships, there's this idea that it should just come naturally. Like you should right. know exactly what to do naturally. You should not need any external assistance because, you know, you were born uh, knowing how to navigate a relationship, right? In a <laughs> pandemic or something. <laughs> you were born with right. that. Duh. Set, obviously, <laughs> everybody was, right? No. Yeah. So it's, it's, we kind of have these ideas around things needing to be automatic, um, not needing help. And there's a lot of shame that's around that. So it's not uncommon, 
you know, if, if you're in a relationship and you have a partner that's not so excited about therapy, it's, it's just not that uncommon. I think you have to exercise a little bit of patience, but at the same time, you have to know what your limits are. If you're at a point in your relationship where, you know, it's kind of a therapy or bus situation, which does happen, which, which is unfortunate. I always hope couples will seek therapy before, you know, before it gets too bad, mm -hmm. before it gets to that point. But sometimes it is what it is. Sometimes you hit a, you hit a wall and you go, okay, we got to at least try therapy um, kind of as a last ditch effort to see, can, can we pull this out? Can we make this work? And it can be really frustrating when you have a partner where it seems like they're not on board. I will say I would not necessarily take it personally though, mm -hmm. because I see a lot of partners taking it personally, like, wow, you don't want to invest the time and energy into our relationship. It's that's not always the case. That's not always the case. Typically it's more so fear of judgment of others. What will people say if they find out that we're in therapy? Um, I don't want somebody to psychoanalyze me. There's nothing wrong with me. So there are kind of like a lot of internal things that go on with people when you start talking about going to therapy, whether it's individual or couples therapy. Mm -hmm. You do have to exercise a little bit of patience. But at the same time, uh, if your partner is not interested and that it, it's a deal breaker for you, uh, you know, that that may be a judgment call you have to make is can you move forward without going to therapy as a couple? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's... Tough. It's tough. Yeah. But also so important, even before you get into a relationship to understand if something like that is a deal breaker for you. Like if you, you want to be with a person who is committed to their own growth and can be self-aware and self-reflect and all of the, all of those things. And, and so, someone that can be flexible. I mean, yeah. I feel like that's one of the most underrated qualities when we talk about kind of like connecting and dating with people. You want a partner who's somewhat flexible. You don't mm. want a partner that's horribly rigid because as you mentioned you know we go throughout life and we do experience so many changes and different things happen right in life you just never know what's going to happen and it's going to be very difficult if if you're paired with somebody who's incredibly rigid who is not able to manage change at all because in life change is constant yeah so ideally flexibility um is a quality that you definitely definitely want to look for in a partner what are some signs like early on in dating that somebody is flexible and might have that, that particular quality or trait? You know, I, we often have like lots of different discussions and people will have different thoughts and opinions. If you're with someone who cannot tolerate, not meaning that they have to agree, but if you're with someone that cannot tolerate an opinion that is not their own, that's mm -hmm. definitely a sign that they're, they're pretty rigid for sure. Yep. Um, and again, you don't have to agree. You can agree to disagree. But if they're not able to agree to disagree, uh, that's typically a sign that they're not particularly flexible. Yeah, that's a problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it, it probably won't get better, may, may get a little worse over time. So yeah. And with those scenarios where you say, you know, you would hope that couples don't wait to get to the point where they're at a breaking point and they're like, it's therapy or nothing. Would you recommend therapy for almost like for all couples just to do as a way to get to know each other better, to communicate with one another better, like even when their relationship is great and thriving? I think it's definitely a really good idea. And, you know, do you have to stay in therapy for the entirety of your relationship? Definitely you don't have to. Um, but sometimes it can be good to start it off and then kind of like do booster sessions. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you can always go back if there's something that's going on or it, or again, maybe nothing is going on. Maybe nothing is going on, but you just want to check in. Sometimes, you know, we're seeing each other at home. It seems like everything's great, but maybe you're just, you just don't feel as connected. 
Um, it's worth it to go to therapy for that. If it's if it's something that goes beyond just having a simple conversation and you're wondering if there might be something else that's going on with your partner or you're just feeling something different or you just kind of like want to do a check-in, go to therapy. Yeah, You don't have to wait. You don't have to wait for things to be dire and for your relationship to be on the brink. You don't have to wait for some kind of a personal or professional crisis. Um, there's no need to wait. And, and in fact, if you're able to start earlier when the crisis does come up, you'll already have some of those tools in place so that you'll be able to manage the crises when they arise. The crisis is going to come, whatever it is, you know, whether it's within your own household or outside of your home, things are going to come up over time. So more than anything, you just want to be sure that you've equipped yourselves as a couple with the tools that you need to manage it when things do happen. Yes. Oh my gosh. For everybody listening, I hope that you really took that in. The crises are going to come. You don't have to wait. Don't have <laughs> you can to wait. prepare yourself. Yeah. That's so good. So, you know, you mentioned um, the kind of idea of deal breakers. Obviously we, we talked about you met your, your husband as a freshman in college and weren't necessarily thinking about like looking for love at that point. Did you at that point in your life have a list or an idea of like the type of partner you wanted to connect with someday? Or is that something that hadn't crossed your mind at that point? It hadn't really crossed my mind, to be completely honest. It's not something that crossed my mind. I knew that I wanted to, uh, you know, be with someone that was respectful of me, you know, like the basics, someone <laughs> who cared about me, someone who was faithful, someone who was loyal. Um, but that was pretty much it. You know, I had kind of like very basic ideas. And again, I was what, 18. So I had kind of very basic ideas of what it is that I wanted. Um, I think we're we're very blessed and lucky that we found each other um, when we did. But yeah, I had very kind of basic ideas about what I wanted in a relationship. Now, I will say over time, because we have grown, there have been some changes here and there where it's like, hey, you know, I'd like to see you do more of this. Or he may say like, hey, I'd like us to work on that. Mm -hmm. And so again, that's where the flexibility really came into play for us because we're both pretty flexible. We listen to each other. We we respect each other. Um, and so, you know, if, if my husband identifies something like, hey, I think we could work on this or we could do this a little better. Or if I identify something... The other person's always been receptive, which I'm really mm -hmm. thankful for. So I think that as we've grown together, uh, as there have been little tweaks and changes that need to be made, I uh, really wasn't a big deal because we were both willing to be flexible to make it work. That's so great. Yeah. Because yeah, your, your um, list might change over time anyways. So to have a partner that's, that's flexible and adaptable and open-minded to that is, is so important. Absolutely. Yeah. Do you recommend for people who are single and wanting to create space for a relationship though, to go through that process of like, make your list, identify what your deal breakers are and what your non-negotiables are and all that good stuff. So I'm always on the fence with this one. Okay. <laughs> yes and no. Okay. Yes let's hear no. it. <laughs> so, you know, on the one hand, I think, yes, ideally you want to have some, especially once you've got some, some life experience under your belt, I think this is a lot easier to identify mm -hmm. what kind of partner um, you want, what qualities you'd like them to have, right? Beyond like just the physical stuff. I hear right. someone getting caught up in like- Like they've got to be six feet tall. Right, right, right. <laughs> they've got to be six feet tall. They've got to have like, you know, long hair, whatever it is. Like I like yeah. you know, people have certain ideas about exactly the person. Like it's not like a list of qualities, but it's like a prototype, right? Mm -hmm. 
And so what happens is people are creating prototypes like, well, this guy doesn't look like the prototype. So that can't be the love of my life. This one doesn't look like the prototype either. Yeah. This one I hate his shoes. So he's definitely not the prototype, <laughs> right? right? So that's not what's here in my drawing. So sometimes we get so locked in that we're closing our eyes to other people around us that might actually be the perfect fit. Um, so I'm big on, yes, you definitely want to be specific and intentional about what kind of partner you have. But what I like to say is not just so much the partner, but what kind of partnership you actually want. So yeah, we're going to focus somewhat on the person, but you also want to think about what kind of relationship you want to have. Not just because it's not going to just be about the person. Mm -hmm. you, could, you could have a prototype of a person that in your mind should be perfect for you. You could get into a relationship with that person and it's horrible. Right. Because the focus is on that person versus the connection versus the actual relationship. So it's really important to distinguish the two. You can have qualities that you'd ideally like to see in a partner, but you really want to put your focus in what kind of relationship do I want to have? How do I want right. to feel? What do I want that to look like? Um, you know, and thinking about things like, you know, when we argue, you know, this is what I don't want it to look like, right? You, like you have to start thinking about things like that. How, how would a person fit with your lifestyle. Sometimes we have a prototype, for example, I, I was working with someone who was adamant that they wanted to marry a doctor. Adamant, adamant, like the huh. man of my dreams is a physician. And so we kind of walked it through and I talked a little bit about, you know, okay, you wanna marry a physician, awesome, great. Let's talk a little bit about what that would look like for you as their partner. Mm -hmm. And so as we kind of walked it through, like what medical school typically looks like for people that are partnered with those that are in medical school or, or for those that are actually practicing physicians and what those hours look like and kind of what their partner's lives typically look like. And it was kind of like, oh, <laughs> I don't want Yeah. Good. It sounds really good on paper. Sometimes things can really sound awesome on paper. Um, but in reality, it's like, oh, maybe, maybe I... Maybe it's a nice idea, but maybe practically I actually don't want that in my day-to-day -day life. So uh, it's it's a good idea to have, have a feel for what you want, but you want to have mm -hmm. some flexibility and you want to be realistic about what your lifestyle looks like and what you want your partnership to look like and where it fits in. Yeah. And again, that, that open-mindedness and flexibility is so important. And I think you're such a great example of that because you meet this, this person and you're like, I hate this guy. And then he ends up oh, becoming yeah. your husband. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I so, was like, wow. It, that was the completely unexpected. <laughs> yeah. But you never know, right? You, you never, never, know. never know. You just never know. You never know where love's going to come. You know, sometimes people feel like I'm going to meet my, you know, my spouse in Paris or, you know, I'm going to meet my mm -hmm. partner here. And again, you can just get so locked in and it, we really do ourselves a disservice when we do that. There's such a big world out there. There's so many people that are out there um, and you don't want to limit yourself in that way because, you know, the, the person of your dreams, you may find them in a place that you never expected. But if your eyes are closed, you won't be able to see them and you won't be able to connect. So you want to do your, your best to try to keep an open mind. Yeah. Okay. While we're on that, then let's, can we talk about modern dating for a second? Cause I yes. think that's something like as I'm on TikTok and like scrolling comments and things like that, I see so many people just frustrated with the way 
that their experience of, of modern dating is these days. And like the experience of being on dating apps and feeling like it's hard to meet people organically, but then they want to meet people organically and have that moment where they met them in Paris or whatever. Right. So yeah, I guess what is your take on, on modern dating and the best ways to put yourself out there and, and meet people? I will say modern modern dating is a little more challenging in my opinion, for sure. Uh, and I think this is also something that's regional. Because Megan, are you based? You're based in California too, right? Are you based here? I was. Um, gosh, I've been a little bit all over. I was in California, then by coastal uh, between New York and LA. But now I just moved back to the Pacific Northwest to Seattle, like a month or two oh, ago. Awesome. So okay, yeah, <laughs> so I think it's it's something that can vary regionally as well. So it's definitely. So um, I attended. Uh, I was a dating expert for Match.com, and so mm -hmm. they had a dating expert summit several years back. And so I remember connecting with relationship experts in other states, and we were just talking about our experiences, uh, you know, working with singles and like what the dating landscape looked like. And I remember speaking with a dating expert from Texas, and when I told her some of the, you know, stories and the experiences from like from colleagues and from friends and from people I was coaching, she was shocked. Yeah, <laughs> she was like that would never happen here in Texas. That would never happen. So I think that some of this stuff is regional as well. I, I feel like, you know, California, the coast, right? California, New York. Yeah, West Coast, coast, <laughs> there, there are maybe some similarities in terms of uh, dating, but it's really challenging because online dating, while it's a really awesome tool, like the apps, it's a tool for you to be able to meet more people, right? To kind of like expand your network beyond your immediate friend group. Mm hmm. The challenge, however, with dating apps is that there's kind of a gaming effect. Yes, it's so transactional. It's very transactional. And it, they've, their studies have actually shown when people are on dating apps, it activates similar parts of the brain that actual like video games do, like actual mm. video games. Oh, God. <laughs> so some people can become addicted to dating apps. Uh, just like you can become addicted to, to video games. And so um, it's it's that's the piece that I think gets to be particularly challenging is that uh, sometimes the goal is just to match with someone. You know, people get like an adrenaline rush when they match with someone and then they meet them in person. And then maybe the rush goes away and then they're like, okay, let me get back on the dating app, right? So that's, mm. that's one challenge with dating apps. The other challenge, I think, which is something we touched on earlier, is that, again, this prototype, right? So I was working with Match, you know, they're like one of the biggest challenges that we have is that people will say exactly who they want. They will give us the prototype, right? They'll fill out their profile to say, hey, this is what I'm looking for. These are the qualities. Great. They will pair them with that person and they will hate that person. <laughs> so it was like, what's, you know, it, the human element is sometimes missing with some of these algorithms because it's like, well, what are we doing wrong? We're giving them what they want. Yeah. And yet when they meet, it's not working out. Um, so that's the other piece, too, is that using online apps sometimes kind of forces us mentally into that box of I'm looking for the person that fits inside this box. Mm -hmm. So even if I have someone that's kind of on the periphery of the box or slightly outside of the box, well, sorry, you didn't fit in my box of who I was looking for. Um, so I'm never going to see you. Right. right. Because I've already I've already eliminated you based on what I've identified in terms of what I'm looking for. Yeah. So it can be a little restrictive while it appears that we have access to so many more people, which we do on the one hand. On the other hand, sometimes we're closing the door on potential connections and partnerships that we might be able to grow and develop because we're checking those boxes online. Right. Yeah, it's it is such a an interesting dichotomy. Like I, I know 
people in my life who are married to somebody they met on a dating app and have children and like, have, yep, yeah, like it's, yeah. and it's beautiful love story. And then other people who it's been like hell for them to be on dating apps. And I think you never want to like lock into something exclusively. So like, even if you're doing online dating, you don't want to just do online dating. Now, I mean, mm -hmm. obviously we're dealing with some other things in the environment right now. Right. But typically you want to, you want to keep yourself open across the board. Sometimes people say, okay, forget it. I'm not going to meet anybody in person. I'm just doing online dating, right? We just get locked into one particular area, but again, you want to stay open. So maybe you're doing some online dating and maybe you're asking your friends if they know someone, or maybe you're, you know, going out and meeting people. You want to kind of be doing all of the things on some level so that you're keeping yourself open across the board so that you yeah. can connect with other people. That's really important too. Yeah. And I think the biggest thing too is, is like filling your life with fulfilling things that you would enjoy doing anyways. So if that's like, you know, joining a certain club or hobby or gym or going to a coffee shop often and like writing or whatever it is that makes you happy anyways, and maybe you'll meet people in, in those environments who have similar values or interests to you. And if you're doing that, in addition to being on the dating apps, maybe it won't feel so Absolutely. <laughs> like no, it's doom very and gloom. Common, it's very common for people to meet that way. You know, when people start focusing on themselves and saying, you know what, I'm going to be open, but at the same time, I'm going to live my life. I'm going to do what I want to do. You know, I've always wanted to take up, you know, rock climbing or whatever it is. I'm, I'm just going to kind of focus. Oftentimes I've heard many stories of people that just say, you know what, I'm going to focus on myself, making myself happy. And that's when they meet somebody. Yeah. When they're doing something that they love, they're not expecting to meet anyone. They're focused on themselves. And then boom, somebody pops up. Absolutely. Are there any kind of like outside the box things to do or ways to meet people that you recommend besides like doing things you love, you know, being on dating apps or going out to, to bars, whatever. I feel like those are like the three categories most people think of. Is there anything that like maybe people aren't thinking of that you'd recommend? I think, you know, one of the, one of the, one of the best things that you can do, and it's, it can be really hard because we get locked into these routines. Uh, and especially in LA, I mean, just because I'm based in LA, this is yeah. very unpopular when I say this, because oftentimes people don't want to leave like, you know, what is it? The 10 blocks that are around them. Like, you know, oh, yeah. West LA, I date in West LA. I don't do hundred percent yeah. Valley, you know, God forbid. No. So sometimes you do have to kind of get out of your physical space. Um, because what can happen, like you said, right, if you're, you're going to bars, you're going to lounges and clubs, you're just hanging out at the movies, whatever it is, you're typically seeing the same groups of people again and again and again, because you're staying in the same neighborhood. So I think it's really important to venture out, you know, you've got to venture outside of your neighborhood, your typical restaurants, your typical bars, you want to venture out some, and you also want to be sure when you do so, let's say you want to go with, you know, a friend. Make sure that you go with a friend that is not going to turn other people off or away, right? So sometimes mm. we have friends that are very closed, closed off. We all have friends that are like that, that are just a little more closed off. When they go out, they just kind of want to lock in with who they're with. They're not interested in seeing who else is around or engaging or like, that's not their thing. That's not the person that you want to take with you. Right. You know, that makes the sense. The biggest mistakes that people make, make when they're going out is they bring people with them that are so engaged with each other and you engage with them so much. And then before you know what, the night is over and you, you know, you never looked up from your table. 
Um, and so I think that's really important too, is just to be mindful of who it is that you're gathering with when you're trying to keep an open mind, when you're trying to kind of like be open to who's around you and open to connecting. And I also think like one of my biggest tips has always been like meeting people. Um, I do like bars, but I also like like meeting people at hotels and things like that because you get to meet different people that are from different places. Um, you know, you have a lot of professionals that connect there. There's a lot of events and things. So it's kind of a cool place to be able to connect. You also have to be willing to have conversations with strangers. Yeah. <laughs> Another piece that serious people get stuck in, like someone will say, oh, I hate talking to strangers, but I really want to date. Well, <laughs> guess what? Those are opposing. <laughs> yeah. Right. Unless it's like somebody you've known forever, it's you're going to be going out with a stranger. So I like the hotel bar environment because you often have like, you know, people who are there alone yeah. um, grabbing a drink and you can just practice talking to strangers. doesn't have to be romantic. Doesn't that is have, such a cool idea. Rings attached. You don't have to like, it's not a big deal. It's just getting in the habit and practice of talking to people that you don't know, asking them questions about themselves. You you answering questions about yourself. It's important to get in the habit of that as well, because sometimes we kind of want to go all or nothing. We want to go from not dating to like, I'm jumping into the dating world and apps and you know, you get burned out very quickly. It's important to um, kind of hone those skills and, and keep them warm and fresh over time, even if it's not romantic. So just going places like that, if you're you know in line at the supermarket and you just strike up a quick conversation, just getting used to having mm-hmm. conversations with strangers is really, really important. Yeah, that's that's key for sure. And I love that hotel bar idea. I feel like the cool thing about that too is, you know, all the different hotels that exist all have different energy and vibe and aesthetic to them. So like yeah. if you pick if you go to the ones that like you really vibe with and you like the energy of, then you're probably going to meet somebody who also feels similar way. So that's a cool pe- cool Absolutely. way to meet people. Yeah. That's so fun. Um, okay, so a few more questions just about kind of love and in general. Um, so first, do you believe in the idea of soulmates? Uh, this is when I get a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. This is, this is another. This is another yes and no. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yes and no. Um, I think you know the 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 concept of soulmates is so kind of loaded. Uh, there's this idea that there's someone that's out there that's going to be your everything. I don't love that idea just, just simply because you never want to live your life with this idea that there's someone that's going to complete your life, right? Like, oh, they're here. My life is perfect now, right? It's amazing mm-hmm. because I found my soulmate. I think that's a little unrealistic. Um, when I talk about soulmates, what I'm talking about more is, you know, really meeting someone that you have a strong bond and a strong connection with. You can have that with multiple people, though. That's the reality. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't believe in maybe there's like one whole person for you. And it just, you know, if you had not met this person, you were not going to meet anybody in your entire life. Right. Um, I, I just I just don't necessarily think that's true. But I think you can have really, really, really strong soul connections with people that can lead to love and a long-term relationship. I believe that that's what I have, but I don't believe in an idea that this per- this one person is going to be your everything and they're going to be the answer. The other danger with that, I think, is that it just puts too much pressure on the relationship. Yep. You know, there are things that come up in life and, you know, you can't blame your partner for everything. <laughs> Sometimes things come up and it's like, well, you know, 
You didn't come in and save the day. That's not their job. That's not your partner's job. You know, we have these ideas of someone's going to come in on, on the horse and like carry us away. And it's, you know, that's going to be the end of all of our problems. It's just not realistic. And it's not fair to your partner to put that kind of pressure on your romantic relationship. Sometimes there's work that we have to do for ourselves. Yeah. And it also and takes the to focus there. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And then it does take the pressure off of the relationship ending too. If it, you know, even if it is a great person, you feel yeah. like it was your soulmate. If it gets to a point where it's not working anymore, the timing's off, like knowing that you're going to find love again, like that's not the only person you are allotted in this lifetime. Absolutely. And you can also have a soulmate who is not a romantic, you know, person in your life. Yeah. Either. You can have a really good friend that's like, man, our souls just connect on a level where we don't even have to speak, you yeah. know, and you, you can absolutely have that with somebody and it's totally platonic and not romantic at all as well. So I definitely yeah. believe in that too. That's so beautiful. So what would you say to someone who has maybe lost hope that they will ever meet somebody that they feel that way about? It's really hard when you've lost hope. Um, I think, you know, when you're, when you're in that space of feeling like, okay, maybe this is just not going to happen for me. I think you have to give yourself permission to take a break. Um, sometimes with dating, it's like, you know, when we really want to be partnered with somebody, you just kind of like keep pushing through, keep pushing through like a train, just keep going, keep going, keep going. But sometimes you've got to stop and take a break because burnout <laughs> does happen. Dating burnout is real. Yeah. Uh, and especially with apps and everything, it's, it's very, very easy to get burned out and to feel defeated, right? Especially if you feel like, you know, there are maybe potential partners and then it doesn't work out. Then there's another potential partner and it doesn't work out, right? We have almost even more disappointment to deal with because of that. So it can definitely feel defeating like, wow, I've been on these, you know, X number of dates, still haven't connected with anybody. Maybe it's not going to happen for me at all, ever. Um, what I would say to that person is give yourself permission to take a break. Grant yourself some grace, mm -hmm. use that time to really take good, good care of yourself and really focus there, focus on, okay, I'm not in a romantic relationship right now. Like I'd like, what are some things that I can do for myself to show myself love until I meet somebody? So you mm -hmm. have to focus on that. Like, you know, I really, whatever I want to, you know, I really want to travel to this particular place or I really want to, you know, go to this particular restaurant. Sometimes I'm working with folks that are waiting for that romantic partner to have those experiences. Mm -hmm. What I would say is have those experiences now. Yeah. What are the ways that I can show myself the love that I'm hoping I'll get from a partner at some point in the future? I would focus on that. Yeah, that's that is definitely such an empowering way to look at it because even when you do meet that partner, you want to continue to do those things for yourself anyways. You still want to source your own self-love and not make that partner responsible for all of your, your feelings and emotional state. And by doing that, you're also training yourself and people around you about how you expect to be treated as well, mm, how you want yeah. to be loved. You know, Sometimes that's something that we have to learn over time. What do I want the love for my partner to look like? You know, right. and the best, the best way you can do that is by treating yourself that way first. Yeah. It's like learning your own love language basically. Absolutely. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I love that. So, okay. Knowing what you know now about love and your love story, what would you say to your younger self? Like just before you're going off to college and just before you, you meet your now husband, like what piece of advice would you give to her? Ooh, I would say buckle your seatbelt. That's for sure. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's going to be a wild ride. Oh, yes. <laughs> definitely buckle your seatbelt. Uh, I, I, I think I would just definitely encourage myself to stay open. You know, again, our story is so interesting. Um, you know, I almost didn't go to USC. Anthony almost went to NYU. Like there, there's wow. so many different points where if something was even slightly different, we would not have connected. We never would have met. Um, and so what I would say is just to stay open, um, I think, to stay grounded. Because again, we were young. So, <laughs> you know, us getting together very early, everyone wasn't super encouraging <laughs> at the time. It was like, what are you guys thinking? What are you doing? Yeah. Why would you do this, right? Um, and so, you know, but I think that having that experience early on really helped us because we weren't really particularly swayed by the opinions of other people. Mm -hmm. and we really focused on how we felt and, and we just trusted that what we felt was real and it was right. So I would just tell myself to just trust your instincts and trust your gut. I love that. I think we could all definitely take that advice. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So the, the final question that I love to ask everybody in this series is what is one habit that you would recommend uh, for people to invite more self-love into their lives? I would say my number one, my number one is meditation, which is probably a really popular one, but, but I, I definitely think that meditation is so important. Um, it's so important to take the time for yourself to stop and quiet down uh, and really, really get in tune with how you're feeling. Sometimes we don't know how we feel. Like you can go for days and days. And if you're really busy, it's like, I don't know how I feel. You know, I don't yeah. know. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> oh right. I'm just keeping up with my schedule. I'm, you know, checking things off the to-do list. I'm just going to continue to move. And you can go days, weeks, years, and never check in with yourself and be honest about how you actually feel. And it really requires you to just be still and to be quiet. I don't believe that meditation has to be particularly fancy. Mm -hmm. um, that's something that I talk about a lot. People have an idea about what meditation should look like. The only thing that I recommend is that you ideally get into a space where you can be quiet and you can be still, if possible. If you can't, you can meditate while you're in line at the store, to be mm -hmm. honest with you. You can, you can meditate wherever you're at. Even if you're in a particularly chaotic situation, you can stop and quiet your mind and take the time. If you train yourself over time, you can be in the most chaotic environment and you can meditate in that moment if you're able to kind of build those skills. So that's why I'm a really strong proponent, proponent of meditation. It's super important because at the end of the day, you've got to be able to check in with yourself to take good care of yourself. You don't know what you need if you don't know how you feel. There's, yeah. there's, there's no way that you can take good care of yourself if you can't be still to really feel what you feel. I mean, I've had experiences where uh, I finally took the time to meditate. And let's say maybe I took a week off and I'm like, okay, I got to get back into meditation. And I felt a pain, a physical pain that I didn't feel. Oh, wow. Five minutes before. Mm -hmm. Why? Because I'm busy and I'm distracted and I'm doing other things. You know, I go to the doctor and it's like, you know, it's like something that had to be worked out. It was fine. But again, had I not meditated, had I not stopped to take the time, I may have ignored it. Yeah. I may have ignored it. I yeah. just wouldn't have been paying attention. So, you know, it can really help us psychologically. It can help us physically when we just stop to take the time to check in to see what am I thinking? How am I feeling? And what can I do to really honor myself today? It's super important. Would you recommend it as like a daily, like 10 minute practice kind of thing? Or is it whatever amount of time you can fit in is what, what works for you? If you're able to do it daily, I think that's awesome. 
sometimes the reality is you may not get to it. And I think that that's okay too. Like I don't like having an all or nothing philosophy on it. I'm the same way with like fitness and exercise because sometimes you can like burn out, right? It's like you're doing it every single day and then you hit a bump, something happens, right? You can't do it. And then you feel defeated again, like you've quote unquote wasted your time, right? Oh, I wasted all that. You know, I wasted time. I'm, I'm off track. Uh, now I didn't meditate for a week. Um, and it can be hard to get back on the horse. So you just do it whenever you can. Mm -hmm. If you can do 10 minutes, that's what I like to do. I like to do 10 minutes. I think that that's perfect. Uh, if you can only get two minutes, I think that that's okay too, especially if you're just starting. It's okay if you can just get two minutes and do some deep breathing and just be quiet. Yeah. Uh, I think if you can do that, that's a success as well. And maybe you build up over time. Um, but I think anytime you can do it, anytime you can think to do it, Anytime you feel like you need to do it, you should. I love that. That's great advice. Thank you so much for, for sharing your story and all of your valuable insight today. There's so much good stuff in this conversation and I, I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. It was fun. Absolutely. Yeah. If people want to learn more from you and uh, more about your work and what you're up to, where can they find you? Sure. My website is rondasmithlcsw.com. And you can also find me across all social media platforms at rondasmithlcsw. Yeah. Everybody who's listening, make sure to follow Rhonda because she posts some awesome content, reels, cool stuff. Definitely keeps it fun to learn from her. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much again for being here. I really, really appreciate it. And thank you to everybody who tuned in today. If you know somebody who might benefit from hearing this conversation, as always, send this episode to them so that they can tune in as well. Take notes, maybe send this to your partner or your best friend, whoever needs to hear it. And um, send in any requests for topics you want to hear on future episodes. And as always, have a happy and healthy and love-filled day. Mm -hmm.